I wonder if you've ever listened to Steve Wright love songs on a Sunday morning on Radio 2. No, no me. Uh, no me. I was just checking. Uh, there was absolutely, there was no nods uh, out there. Um, but I know that one or two, one or two of you must uh, listen to it. Kez is an avid lis- listener and I have to, uh, I have to uh, go through with it uh, and listen on a Sunday morning. That's a, that's a joke. She's out in, uh, she's out in crash, so don't mention that uh, to her. But here's just what happens on Sunday morning. Steve writes love songs. Um, this morning we had it on in the car, Kez and I, as we were journeying uh, somewhere. And uh, there's a load of recorded messages. And Steve Wright plays them. Hi, I'm, I'm Tracy from the West Midlands. Can you play It Must Be Love by Madness for my husband, Derek? Married for 20 years, he's my rock. He's my soulmate. He's my everything. That's why it must be love. And then it goes off on the recording. The song comes on. Hi, I'm Trevor from Burnley. Can you play Tina Turner, Simply the Best, for my mother Beryl? I love her so much. She's stuck with me through thick and thin. She is simply the best. And you know, after one or two of these messages of love, well, the first uh, couple, uh, they were quite cool. And you thought, oh, they're good. Um, They're all right. Uh, And then the repeat kind of came on of uh, different people uh, saying different things, but all the same. All the same. A message of love. It didn't matter who it was, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, fiance, mother, father, daughter, son, brother, sister. It was all the same message. I just want to wish them the best today because I love them so much and I want them to know that I love them. Here's Ruth. And you see over four, four Sundays as we've looked through Ruth in this series, we know it's a love story. We get that, don't we? We're right on the, the fringe, as Peter said. It's come to a climax. Will Boaz, will a man get the girl? Ultimately is where we're heading. And yet we know that it's far much more than just a love story. If you've walked through the last three weeks, you'll get the story. If you haven't, come with me as we do a little recap. I was considering um, just yesterday, I wonder why Ruth is called Ruth. Have you ever thought that? Why isn't the book called Naomi? It starts with Naomi and family. Remember Elimelech? And the two boys, they leave Bethlehem, situated in the land that God has given them. They head to Moab, enemy territory, a sign that they're turning back on the loving rule of the rescuing God. And then Naomi comes back, recognising God and her state before him. Do you remember? Call me Mara, Mara. Don't call me Naomi, she says to the women who knew her. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And then Naomi recognises and remembers Boaz. He's a relative in Ruth chapter 3. Just last week we read of Naomi's plan unfolding. A plan to see if Boaz would be the relative that he should be, that he ought to be. And to redeem them. This book could have easily been called Naomi, I guess. Or why isn't this book called Boaz? 
You see, when Ruth started scavenging in the field to take enough food back to her mother, Naomi, to grind down and make bread. As it turned out, remember that phrase, as it turned out, we remembered God and his sovereignty. She was working in a field belonging to Boaz. That's where we first met Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. And Boaz, in the last three chapters, is the one who's cared for the family. Telling Ruth not to gleam in any other field. Shares his tea with her. Tells his servants to watch over Ruth. Even pull out some of the stalks of the bundle so that Ruth can pick them up. Later in the threshing barn, as we looked at last week, he's flattered by Ruth's approach. He does not take advantage of her. He sends her away with a a huge bundle of grain, eight bottles of coke worth of grain on her back. He acts with utmost respect. And he knows of another who could act as the guardian kinsman. He's full of integrity. Remember those words from chapter 3, verse 10. Let me read them. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Boaz. The book could have been called Boaz, right? And yet... The book's called Ruth. Ruth is the one that clung to Naomi. Ruth is the one who professed faith in Naomi's God. She's the one who said, look, Naomi, I'm sticking with you. No, no, I'm sticking. Don't tell me to twist, Naomi. I'm with you. Lest death do us part. I'm committed to you. Ruth is the one who works hard, who's gleaning in the fields. She's the one who obediently follows through on Naomi's scheming plan. She is the one who goes above and beyond in asking of Boaz. Do you remember that? Naomi saying to Ruth, Boaz will tell you what to do. But Ruth goes above and beyond. I am your servant, Ruth, she said back in chapter 3. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Since you are a guardian redeemer of your family. She's saying, marry me Boaz. Take me. And yet isn't it interesting that in chapter 4 we no longer hear from Ruth or Naomi. We no longer hear of them. They don't speak in it. And so you could say, look, Naomi, Boaz, Ruth. The name's pretty incidental on what we call the book. You decide who you think the main character is, if you like. Whenever we come to the Bible, here's our big question. Whenever we read the Old Testament, how does this book, what I'm reading now, how does it help me see Jesus? Is the question that we should be asking. Naomi, Boaz, Ruth, name it what you like, but how do those Characters, how does this story unfolding help me see Jesus? 
And help me trust in him. See, all scripture points to him. That's what we hold to. That's what we believe. All history culminates in him. All promises are made, yes, in him. See, he is the one who makes sense of the story of Ruth. And hopefully that will all come clear this afternoon. Otherwise, we'd take Ruth and we'd, we'd take some really top themes out of it, wouldn't we? We would say, look, there's wonderful lessons in enduring and forbearance from Naomi. There's wonderful faithfulness and, and commitment from Ruth. There's wonderful kindness and integrity from Boaz. And you could take any one of those themes, themes and many more. And we'd say, they're good life lessons, of course. They're good things to hold on to. But if Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't the central character of Ruth, you're left with a a nice story full of morals. In fact, a, a, a nice love story. But one that very, very, very quickly fades with Israel's history. Like Trevor from Burnley or Tracy from the West Midlands very quickly will disappear into the ether of history. How does this story help us to see Jesus? And understand that he's not hiding in the field. You won't see Jesus kind of popping into the threshing barn. It's not like we're to read Ruth and, and, and to try and work out, is there a secret code of the Lord Jesus? Is he here? Is, is that meant to be him or is he there? No. It's through the theme of Redeemer. Ruth chapter 4 is the climax. The scene swings to the town gate. This is the place of business. And here's where we'll go uh, today. We'll see God's great rescue of his people. And we'll see the Redeemer's work is costly, yet more than costly, it's sacrificial. Look, verse 1, Boaz is at the city gate. Here he sits. Look at the language used. Just as the guardian Redeemer is passing by. There is Boaz. It's the same kind of language that we heard in Ruth chapter 2. As it turned out, Ruth was working in a field belonging to Boaz. Look, just as Boaz is sat there, the, the, the guardian redeemer, he's walking by. And of course, we're meant, to, we're meant to, the readers, take this picture and think, God is so behind this. Of course he is. Just as, as it turned out... God's in charge. Boaz tells the close guardian redeemer about Naomi and Ruth. And you see, here's the deal. Every family was given a plot of land. And if anything happened to the man of the house, if he died, if he left no children, or or in this case, if his children died too, then a brother or close relative would take responsibility, would, would buy the land, would keep it in the family. And Naomi is selling the land. She wants money to survive. Verse 2, Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. And then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. 
I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me. So I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you. And I am next in line. Verse 4. I will redeem it, says the guardian redeemer. Cool, this is a good investment actually for me, he's saying. Yeah, this will work out pretty well. Well, I just need to make an initial cost. It's going to be costly to me, an initial price that I'll pay. But look, for my inheritance, this is pretty smart. This is going to help me out. And, and we're to read this and it's like, no, surely not. No, no, no. The story can't end here, can it? We're meant to groan. Verse 5, Boaz says, no problem. But here's the deal. You see, the day that you buy the land back, keep it within the family, you take Naomi and Ruth. You, you take them. You, you marry the widow to keep the family name. This is what you have to do. Look at verse 6. At this, the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. See what he's saying? It's too risky for me. Oh, it's costly. I'm willing to pay the cost and then... As long as it works out well for me, no problem. But, but this is too risky. I might endanger my whole estate, he said. My whole inheritance now is in danger. Why? Because it might mean that I have to share it out and spread it out. And as the family gets bigger, this is just too much. It's too sacrificial. The guardian redeemer says to Bowers, buy it yourself. And then he removed his sandal. And we have a few verses of what an agreement, a legal agreement, looked like in that time. The sandal off. I made my decision. I cannot redeem. And those the readers are meant to go, yes. Yes. The story's working out. But before we do, do you know the Guardian Redeemer look? If you sometimes, as I do, read the story and think, who am I in this story? I always want to be the hero. We naturally always want to be the Boaz. We'd like to think we're like Ruth. Here's the deal. This other guardian redeemer is just like me. This guardian redeemer is just like us. Happy to help when it doesn't hurt. I, I, I'm willing. It might be costly in the short. But if it's sacrificial in the long term. I'm not up for that. See this guardian redeemer. We don't even get his name. It, most probable that the author knew it. He knew all about the family history. Elimelech and the names of the two boys. We don't get the guardian redeemer's name. See, this man is just like me. 
book of Boaz, verse 9. Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, Marlon, and have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Town. Today you are my witnesses. I will pay the cost, says Boaz. It is costly. Do you know, it's more than costly. It's sacrificial. The Redeemer's work is sacrificial. And we sit back and we think, oh, good story. Boaz, what a legend. But for every Israelite boy studying the Old Testament, listening then to Jesus, it's the Old Testament that points to Jesus. And the boy reading of Ruth, he's trying to work out, why is Ruth here in my Bible, in the Old Testament? We study it. And Jesus comes and says, I'll redeem. And every Israelite boy is meant to make the link of Boaz and Jesus. So Jesus is like a Boaz. Yes, 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 the Sunday school teacher says. Yes. Just like him. How is he like him? Look, if you're a Christian, you knew that you were broke. Broke. So far in debt that you could not pay back. Anything to the one who had created you. Anything to the one who had given you everything to live. You see, if you're a Christian, you, you get that. That's why you're a Christian, because you realise that you, you're, you're so far in debt. Your only hope is a redeemer. And in steps Jesus, the Son of Man will suffer. He will die. See, Jesus is the ultimate redeemer. He's the one that pays the most costliest price. He's the one that makes the greatest sacrifice. As I listened to those messages this morning, here's what came out. You complete me, my dear husband. You're all I need, my dear daughter. And then it just quickly links to life, doesn't it? My life. Do you know, just the next pay rise and all will be well. Just this week. I'll get this week done, then it's... Plain sailing. And we put our hope in so many different things, so many different people, so many different contexts in life. No, my hope is only in a Redeemer. It only ever was and it only ever is. The only hope comes from a Redeemer who will buy me back at such great cost to himself because I'm so far in debt, I cannot come close to paying my debt back To a holy God. See the Redeemer's work is sacrificial. My only hope is a Redeemer. Secondly. I'll tell you what the second point is. The Redeemer brings us into our family. Look we know that Boaz doesn't just buy the land. Uh, We know that he doesn't just take Ruth as his wife and take his mother-in-law in in too. 
and then say, crack on. Uh, okay, I've done all my part now. now. Now you play your part. No, no. <laughs> Look what he does. He, he, he pulls them in to a safe and secure family. Look from verse 11. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have a standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Though the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar born bore to Judah. Through the offspring that the Lord gives you, by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. See what the elders and the people recognise? They recognise that Ruth and Naomi are, are, are coming into the home. They're coming into the family. Ruth will be part of the family. And, and look what the elders and the people are saying. You're, you're coming in to be part of the family. Even as, even as much as the names of Rachel, Leah, Tamar, who are part of the family of Israel's history. Isn't that they've just been brought in, but now they belong. What a thing it is to be part of a, a loving family, isn't it? I... I it's always tough to say, but I think the majority of us know what that feels like, what that looks like. When a, a family opens its arms to another and says, you're one of us now. What we have is yours. You're part of us. You're part of our family. You're, you're, you're part of our tribe. Paddington felt that, didn't they? You're part of us. Remember the Titans, we're now together with family, come in. You see, in the family of believers, no one, no one is shut out. And this is why family really matters at, at town church. It's like the professor in Narnia. You remember that scene where he says to Susan and to Peter, you're a family, aren't you? You might start acting like one. Here we are at town church. That could be the message from God to us. Look, you're a family. What does a family do? Welcomes, loves, protects. And he says, you're one of us. You're now one of us. Do you know at Town Church what we love to say? There's no watching from the edges here. You just can't peer from the sidelines. You, you can't be a secret Christian. You've got to get amongst it. Act like family. Be family. That's why membership of town church is so important and it's so public. It's saying to everyone, I'm committed to you. This is my church. I'm docking in here. There's no other place I'm going to. There's no other people that I'm committed to. No other church that I belong to. It's you, town church. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's something there for us. How are we acting as the family? Of God here in Vista. Do you feel looked out for? Do you feel looked after? Do you feel as though you're part of the family? As you look around the room as we have refreshments back there. Is there someone that could be on the fringes? That 
you just think, do you know, I wonder how they feel. Go. Welcome them in. Ask about life. Talk about how perhaps you could meet up this week. I could bring them something if they need. I, I, I love when we have a newborn baby. I can't quite see him, but baby Philip's out there somewhere, and I can't quite see baby Leela. I've heard them before, that's for sure. But it's super when I get the little message through, will you deliver a meal? <laughs> Sorry, you, and you've got pizza coming to your way on Friday. It's not homemade either. But I just figured it might be good with all the homemade food you could get at Domino's. But I love that list that comes out. It just means, you know what, we're going to look out for you because you're part of the family. You're one of us. Little baby Phillips, he's now in. And isn't it fabulous when you know you're part of a wider family? I was at a cross-country running race this morning. <laughs> Muddy. Do you know the best part of it? I knew four other boys who were in Christ. Running at different running clubs. I saw them on the loop back and I just thought, there's Craig. Class. Goes to a church in Oxford. I saw Cal. Goes to a church in Abingdon. I'm part of a wider family. And as I was running, struggling up this hill, smiling. This is me. I'm part of God's wider family. And anywhere you go and dock into a church on holiday or travels, we're part of God's family. And this is what the Redeemer does. He brings us into a family and it is a fabulous place to be. Let's go quick. Thanks, Si. The Redeemer secures a future. Remember, Naomi and Ruth had no such future. Do you remember that? It was bleak. Remember the last verse of Judges at a time when there was no king and every, everyone did as he pleased? Real insecurity. Two ladies coming back to the land that they knew, but there was no governance, there was no ruler. Everyone did as they pleased. <laughs> what Boaz, he pulls them into the family. And do you know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, oh, I tell you what, Ruth. Give you six months. I'll put you on probation. Just see how you go. No, no. This is a guarantee. Her future is secure. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. And then here come the women again that we met in chapter 1. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. See, the story of Ruth is all about God. And we're pointed to Christ. We pointed to him. Ruth, Naomi, your future is secure. The women are going wild. He's going to love you, look after you. You're going to be sustained in your old age. This is long term, Naomi. And then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. Naomi became the child's nanny. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. 
He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. See, Ruth is all about God's plan of rescue. God provides Israel with a king, King David. The Redeemer secures a future. But you know what's coming. Because there's another birth in Bethlehem. It's just a foretaste. Four chapters of a baby being born in Bethlehem who is the Redeemer. Who is the Redeemer in his work, his sacrificial. Who is the Redeemer who brings us into his family. Who is the Redeemer who secures a future for you and I. We're his and you're his. The good thing about Advent is we wait We wait and we remember, we look back and we think of the time when the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And we wait for that day when we celebrate. And on Christmas morning, please be here if you can. It's a celebration. And we say, Christ is born. And he's Emmanuel. And he's with us. And he's more. He's our Redeemer. And yet Advent is so much more than that. The season of Advent is, is waiting for a time when he will call us home. When he will say, I, I told you, your future is secure with me. When he takes you home or, when he, or if he comes again in our lifetime. Advent is a time of waiting in anticipation. Waiting with great joy. Waiting for the time that Emmanuel will come again and take us home. See Ruth, whatever you want to call it. Naomi, Boaz, Ruth. It's all about a redeemer. Points to Christ. It's all about a redeemer who buys back. Great sacrifice to himself. Because our only hope is in a redeemer. Dear Town Church. It's an exciting time, Advent. Exciting time as we sing the carols, as we enjoy food together, as we enjoy films. As Pete said, it's an exciting time and it's way more exciting when we know that as family, we're in Christ. Saved by our precious Redeemer. And therefore we must glory in him. We must. We must glory in him and make him known to the people of Vista and beyond. So as we close and we sing, I will glory in my Redeemer. Do think about this Advent, how you can do that personally, as a family. How are you going to glory in your Redeemer this Advent? Think of that as a a growth group, as a small group. How are you going to glory in your Redeemer this Advent? As a church, how are we going to glory in our Redeemer? Because we must. For he has done great things for us. Let me pray. Then we'll sing such a song.